Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome to another episode of Mario's Minutes. In case you do not know, this is a monthly podcast I like to do here on the channel, and of course, since it is a podcast, it's not only in video form. If you are checking it out on my YouTube channel, Mr. Mario 2011, there is a video on this, which is just, you know, kind of a background with a visualizer on there. I personally think it looks cool, and there's a comment section there, so if I, you know, ask you to comment or anything, you can totally do it there, but I did say podcast, and by that I mean you can find this on any, well, most at least, major podcasting providers. So I know we have iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, uh, several other services there. Pretty much pick your favorite podcasting app, and this should hopefully show up if you just look up Mario's Minute. But yeah, I do this once a month. I do it near the end of the month or so, and this is just where I get to talk about whatever the hell I want to. I kind of introduce this every single episode, but much like what gaming commentaries used to be on YouTube years ago, which I used to do, where they could be 5, 10, 15, 20-minute videos where you pick some gameplay and just talk about whatever the hell you want to, life stories or anything on that. Those are just short versions of podcasts. I miss doing things like that. So here, I made a podcast because I really don't want to go back to doing gaming commentaries again. Not that they're bad, they're just a outdated format, essentially, on YouTube, so... Fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at that is up to you, but there's a few things I want to cover here as well. First of all, this is a solo episode, so there will be no guests this time around. I'm trying to alternate months with guests. So last month, we had Modern Vintage Gamer, who I'd recommend you all check out that episode if you're at all interested in him or modding or any of that fun stuff. It was a fantastic episode. I had a ton of fun talking with him. And MVG, I always have a, a ton of fun time talking with you, dude. So uh, he's more than welcome to come on here again. We have not had any repeat guests, but that's also kind of because... I kind of want to go through, you know, having a guest on for the first time on my perceived guest list before I go back and say, well, I got to go back to the well and start re-inviting guests. And it should take a while to exhaust that, if any. But yeah, this month we're doing it solo. Next month, I do want to bring a guest on. Uh, I haven't asked them yet. They don't know if they're going to get invited or not. And there's several, several people I can invite. So hopefully someone bites on there. But either way, let's go ahead and uh, get into what we have here. First of all, I completely missed talking about this or mentioning it at all on Mario's Minute episode 13. But I want to say a big thank you to you all, and I'm, I'm really not trying to pander here by any means. Uh, this is just, this is a podcast that has now been going on for over a year, and, and that's exciting to me. Again, I do this monthly, and this was something... At the beginning of 2018, I had a few ideas for things I wanted to do for the channel. And one of them was, I said, you know what? I want to bring out my own podcast. Uh, yes, I have Mod Chat with uh, Paranoid Coder. And I absolutely love doing Mod Chat, but I want to do something a little more personal. And around that time, it was a few months prior, I was getting really, really busy, just way too swamped, and I felt like I was doing too much between my personal life and my work life, and I was traveling a bunch, and I said, you know what, I have to slow down on something. Uh, I actually have not talked about this before, funny enough, but I, I felt like I had to slow down on something, and YouTube was doing really well. It was definitely picking up everything. Uh, my channel was in a big slump for a while, but it was probably third quarter, I want to say very late July, or let's just say August 2017, that's when the channel started picking up steam. And unfortunately, that's also when 
the job stuff and everything that I had in my work life, my professional life, that's when all of that started picking up quite a bit. Uh, so at the point, at that point, I was doing, you know, the channel started doing really well again, thankfully. Uh, it was doing numbers that I had not seen before. I was getting consistent things across the board. I was getting my branding done and all that stuff. Uh, everything was looking good for the most part. So I was happy with it. So I was like, well, if everything's going well, I don't want to slow down on this by any means, but I've already set a schedule for myself. So at that point, I was doing two videos a week. But then it was getting to the point where even that was a little too much for me. And I know some people might be thinking, oh, two videos isn't that much. Well, it really isn't, but I like to do my stuff in advance. And then with my job that I was working at the time, I started having to travel a ton. And I don't want to be working on videos while I'm traveling. So what I was doing was I would essentially, and I was traveling a lot, you all, I was traveling a lot, and I, I'm, I'm one of those per people, I'm a homebody, all right, uh, I don't like to travel all the time, if I had a role, let's say, where I had to travel, I don't know, like, 10, 15% of the time, that would be okay with me, like, out of one year, let's say, they said, hey, you know what, you're gonna have to travel two or three weeks every single year for work, I would totally be okay with that, um, but I was traveling, every other week at points and for somebody again who I'm just a homebody it was uh, it was not the best for me unfortunately other people would love that I didn't but and I and I learned the hard way and I definitely got to try it out so if anybody ever says and here's here's pro tip to you all for anybody who might be going into that professional field or you want to change jobs or anything um, some people you know they might say oh well I absolutely well they might tell you hey aren't you bored just staying in this office all the time? Don't you want to travel everywhere? Don't you want to have a job that, you know, requires traveling? A lot of people had asked me about that, and I did it, and I am extremely glad <laughs> that I uh, got that experience. So I can safely sit here and tell you and tell other people, that's not for me. But anyways, what was going on there was essentially I would, you know, be gone for, let's say, a week at a time, and I'm not working on any YouTube stuff at that point. And then I would come back home, and then maybe after a few days, I would get instructions. Hey, you need to go, you need to travel again in a week or two, let's say. So then I'm still doing my stuff in batches for my YouTube for while I'm at home. But then I have to extra produce stuff because I have to then produce things for when I'm going to be away from home. And there were even times where there's several videos I had where they were not recorded, but they were edited and rendered out in a hotel room. Because what I would do is I would say, hey, I'm doing a video over the Super Nintendo Classic, for example. I have to get all my raw footage. So, oh, that was another thing. I had to make sure my raw footage was all good because I couldn't re-record it, essentially. But sometimes if I didn't have time to edit something, I would just, you know, record several videos worth of raw footage put it onto an external drive, bring that with me, and then when I was in a hotel room, I would edit all that stuff, render it out, get it all uploaded over, you know, shitty Wi-Fi, uh, hotel Wi-Fi at least, and it wasn't even that shitty, it was just slow was the problem, and there was even one point, for any longtime Mod Chat watchers, I don't remember what episode, but there was one episode of Mod Chat that was actually done in a hotel room, it was streamed from a hotel room, and I'm so glad, 
that nothing happened during that stream, like it didn't cut out or anything. That was a big risk, but we were able to get that done. There was the, I believe, the second episode of Mario's Minute, technically the third one, but it's episode number two, the one with ModBot on there. I recorded that one in a hotel room as well, so... Uh, sometimes I would do this, sometimes I didn't, but either way, what I'm saying here is I was doing a lot of that, and then it was actually getting to the point I was just noticing I wasn't doing things that I had to around my house, like I wasn't working out, and I wasn't eating as healthy as I should have been, and there were a few times, poor Lily, I didn't take her out on as long of a walk as I needed to because I wanted to get some video stuff done. I think the thing that really kind of made me wake up was there was just things around my house that I had to organize or around my apartment that I was really having to organize at the time. And I just let it go for like a week or so. And I kind of just like looked around at one point. I'm like, damn, this would take me like two or three hours to clean, but I, I just haven't done it. And I haven't been motivated to, and I haven't had the time to. So I said, you know what? I have to, after a few months of kind of doing that, I said, I have to cut back a little bit. Uh, I'm going to cut back to one video a week because before like I'd say yeah well over a year ago I was I didn't really have as much of a schedule I would just kind of upload hey here there whatever when I need to when I feel like it and so people were actually getting more videos from me but there was no consistency as to when stuff would drop and that's one thing I can definitely recommend if you're wanting to come up on YouTube or you're really just wanting to dedicate yourself, set a schedule. If you're like me and you're just like, oh, no, this is this is a hobby. This is a hobby. This is not going to turn into a job. That's going to turn into work. I fe Look, I feel you 100%. I agree with you on that. And sometimes, not going to lie, sometimes it does feel like work. But it feels like work some of the time. Most of the time, it's still a hobby, a paid hobby. That's what I like to label. It's a paid hobby that I very much enjoy doing. I love doing this content. I love putting it out to you all. I love interacting with you all on that. And again, I'm not pandering. That's, just, that's really how I feel on it. That was a really big fear for me. I just didn't want this to turn into work. But it still kind of did when I was dedicating a good amount of time to it. But I said, you know, I need to pull back on this a little bit. And I'm really glad I did. So I did one video a week and I said, well, shit, at this point, that means that I'm going to have four videos come out every month instead of eight videos on average. Uh, so I'm going to do mod chat. So that'll be five. I, I also want to do something a little personal because that was another thing too. When I was doing two videos a week, I could do like a personal type video or passion project type video and then a tutorial video. I, I had a lot more to work with. Then all of a sudden, now I have four videos a week, that, like four videos a month that I can release. At that point, I have to be a little more selective with what I'm going to be putting up. So it's like, for example, I almost hate using the term like a throwaway video. But when I was doing two videos a week, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to upload one really serious tutorial that people have been asking for for a while. And I'm going to upload another video about Lily. And now at this point, I'm a little more selective with, all right, do I really need to upload the video about Lily? You all might be screaming yes, and, you know, maybe, shit, maybe I'm doing a disservice. I don't know. Sometimes I don't know the best for myself or my channel. I have no idea. But point is, what, what I'm saying here is I just have to be a bit more selective with the content that does come out. But I still want to have that personal touch, so I said, you know what? I'm going to go down to one video a week. 
I'm going to upload it every Saturday, so that's going to be, you know, one of the better days, and, you know, it's it's going to be the weekend all across the world when that comes out, so people will definitely have, you know, the best chance to view it and everything. You should get into sub feeds and all that fun stuff, so that's four a month. I'm going to do mod chat, continue to do that. That's five videos a month, and let's do Mario's Minute. Let's just see how this works out, so that's six videos a month. You know what? At this point, people have been really happy with eight videos a month going to bring it down to six, I guess, technically releases at this point. And I would say that it worked out well enough. And even so, like the sub growth, it seemed to be doing fine. Views would kind of go up, kind of go down, but they were really above or about what I expected on there. And even the times where I did upload a extra video a week or two here or there, it really didn't astronomically boost up my numbers or anything. So, even with that, I said, you know what, if I take a little bit of a hit, that's fine. And I didn't take that much of a hit. But then I've seen, even on the odd weeks I do upload a second video that week, it's not like I'll be able to do crazy gangbusters and such, unless it is just like a video that really hits. But just for an average run-of-the-mill Mr. Mario video, um, I really don't get that much of a benefit uploading twice a week now. And I'm happy with that. I honestly am happy with that. So I want to keep it that way. It will all be good. And I was really worried that once a week would be too little, but it seemed to be fine. It seemed to be fine. And again, you know what, kind of coming back to the hobby thing, when I talk about it and when I look at stuff as seriously as this, I kind of have to pull back and say, this is not my job, dude. This is not my job. This is something that I need to enjoy doing, whether I make money from it or not. So am I enjoying it? Yes, I am. I got to continue to do that. Either way, going back to Mario's Minute here, my big test for this was I said, you know what, I want to do a test run and I want to see how well this is going to do, um, if it's really sticking, if there's going to be, you know, an audience that follows it and such, and really if it's something that I'm, because I enjoy doing it, but is it something I'm going to enjoy doing it still worthwhile after a year or not? And that was the big test to me. I said, I want to do this for one year and just see how it plays out. Let's say every single episode I release, people hate it, there's no views on them, and I hate doing them, then I'll stop. But if there's even just like a decent or a small audience on there, and the audience who watches and listens to these really likes them, and I still continue to like doing this, I'm going to continue doing it. And that's thankfully what has happened. So I do want to say big thank you to you all. Uh, whether you know it or not, you are the reason that uh, Mario's Minute ends up continuing here. And I think honestly, the the, the first... Maybe the, the only times where, because there, there's been, you know, there's been episodes here and there where it only does, you know, a very small amount of views. Others do really well. And I think maybe, like, the most controversial episode might have been the first one. Just because at that time, January 2018, that's when it dropped. That's when my biggest video ever ended up coming out. One of my Xbox uh, 360 GameStop, you know, um, teardown videos came out. Um that's where I got a ton of videos, a ton of new subscribers to the channel. So there were a lot of people that were like, oh, this is really cool. But there were also a lot of people that were like, what the fuck are you doing, man? This podcast thing is shit. What the hell? Um, but 
even when I say a lot of people, they were not the majority of people. They were a small minority of people at the end who were, you know, not crazy about it. But still, the people who liked it really liked it. And and that's what I tell people when I talk to them about Mario's Minute. I say, you know what, I might not have, you know, huge gangbuster audience from Mario's Minute, and this isn't designed to be something that pulls in a ton of people. It's supposed to be a personal passion project that I like doing on here, and something you might enjoy listening to if you just want to know more about myself or whatever it is. Um, and it's just something that I want to <laughs> continue to enjoy doing. And that's about all it is for me. So it's, again, the people who it hits with, it seems to hit with them well enough. The people who don't like it, guess what? You're you're not going to like this, all right? There's nothing I can do to make you like this. And even if I do tailor it to someone, like if they're just like, oh, I hate this. It would be completely better if you did this thing. Even if I did that, I'm sure that would really steer away a lot of people who like it for what it is, which this is just a low effort personal podcast that's all i want this to be man that, that's all i want all right that, that that that's all that needs to happen out of life I just want to hang out here in my office talk for like an hour hour and a half on this audio file with my dog sleeping in the corner so yeah <laughs> thank you all for that that went on a lot longer than i anticipated but l- let's cut into another story here so i have one story related to lily and uh this ended up happening, see, first of all, as a prelude to this, Lily does not like other dogs. People on the channel have seen Lily, they think she's super cute, they love her, I mean, I I love this dog, she's awesome, that's why I ended up getting her, but one thing I have just learned, I learned it the hard way, and I have to stick to it, Lily does not like other dogs. She gets way too excited, she gets anxious, she gets reactive, I just can't have her interact with other dogs. So there's people who they try and bring their dogs around me, and I'm just like, nope, nope, please keep your dog away. Sometimes I got to scare them. I'm just like, hey, dude, pull your dog away, whatever it is. My dog is not friendly. My dog will eat your dog. So some that's another thing I've just had to learn. Sometimes you got to scare them. On the flip side, to anybody who might have seen people like me talk about stuff like that, like if you're walking your dog and you deal with someone like me, listen to them, for God's sake, all right? Because some people still like to kind of just bypass that, and it's like, no, if I'm telling you, don't bring your dog to my dog, uh, my dog is not going to interact well with your dog, my dog is dangerous with other dogs, I- I'm I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to lie to you, all right? Come on. <laughs> Um, but thankfully, Lily is excellent with people. She's hung out with everyone from old people to babies, and she's just been great with everyone, thankfully. Um, but yeah, so that that's the prelude going into this. What happened was I ended up walking Lily, and uh, I was about halfway down the street or so, and then I see like this little fluff, like white fluff, just bounding towards us. And Lily, like, her her hairs stand up on her back, and I have to start, like, kind of pulling her away just so she's not going to interact with this small little muttly-type dog. And there's this car that's kind of just driving on the side, and their door is, like, halfway open. And the woman ends up talking to me, and I I said something, because I I didn't hear what she was saying at first. I didn't understand it. But I was like, hey, yeah, there's this this white dog here. She's like, oh, yeah, that's my dog. Sorry, that's my dog with that. And what ended up happening was I talked with her a little, and this dog, his name was Colby. Now, he kept trying to just kind of, like, 
interact with Lily, piss Lily off and all that stuff. Lily, of course, was getting really annoyed and kind of reactive and all that. So I kind of just had to control her as best as I could. Uh, but I was talking with the owner and the owner was saying, yeah, you know, Colby ended up running and this this happens a lot. He just kind of runs off. And I offered to try and get him. And she said, well, maybe you can. If you yell meat, he might come to you. He loves strangers, but he likes to run away from us. So I thought that was a little bit funny. But uh, what happened was I let her hold on to Lily for a few minutes. She loved Lily. She thought Lily was a puppy. She was petting her all over and all that stuff. But I ended up walking after Colby. So I'm walking after, I'm calling him, and I'm, you know, saying meat and saying all this other stuff. Kobe kept looking at me, he'd kind of hang out, and then he'd run off. And I, I guess the key is with dogs as well, too, you don't want to run after them, because then they think it's a game. Sometimes you can follow them around, this time it didn't really work out, um, but sometimes you just have to, like, coax them. There's been one or two times Lily has broken out, and I've had to slowly walk over, not run, but I'm just kind of walking over, and if I have a treat, I can kind of bait her with that, and then when she comes in, just, you know, grab the... Uh, uh, grab the collar and get her leashed up again. But I didn't have any treats on me, unfortunately. I was trying to tempt him with imaginary treats, but I kind of just kept calling him. Nothing happened. At one point, he ran back over to Lily, and I had to instruct the the owner. I said, "Hey, pull Lily's head up like with the leash, because Lily has kind of a walk and train thing, which it's a little bit of a harness like over her mouth." And I said, "Hey, kind of pull her up a little bit. Make sure she doesn't interact with your dog." And it worked out, it seemed to be fine, but Kobe then ran the complete opposite way. So I took Lily back, I said, alright, I tried, I'm sorry. She said, oh, you, you tried more than you needed to, I appreciate it, I'll just I'll try and get my damn dog. But what happened was, she was trying to chase after him, she ended up opening up her car door, she was trying to get him in there, he wouldn't budge at all. But again, you know, he'd already tried to, like tease and piss off Lily twice so I kind of just stood there for a few minutes and I said maybe maybe he'll come around again let's see so what ended up happening was he did start running straight towards us a third time and he did his same thing where he was kind of like circling around trying to mess with Lily and all that but when he did this this time I ended up stepping on his leash on purpose and he had one of those retractable dog leashes, which, another tip to you all, don't use a retractable dog leash. I, I mean, I've never used mine, but when I was getting Lily, I did buy one of those. A friend told me, don't get one, so I didn't use it, um, but it, she, has, she recommended using it as a backup. When I went to the shelter, they recommended don't use those things. I go to the vet, they don't recommend them at all. No one recommends these things, all right? They're hard to control, they're problematic, you know, and if if they get wound up, oh my god, if they get wound up around you, like, it's like a wire, just like, you know, cutting circulation to your legs. Oh my goodness, that hurts too. So, in short, if you have one of those retractable dog leashes, just get a proper leash. Don't get what. Just stop using that retractable one. Keep it on the side as a backup. I have one. I keep it in the trunk of my car just in case. But what happened was I stepped on the leash. I ended up picking up the retractable thing. I couldn't even retract it at the time. So then at this point, Lily is kind of, you know, like flickering about and everything and trying to get to Colby. Colby's kind of doing the same thing. So I have to do my best to keep them separated while holding both leashes and both dogs at the same time. Granted, at the same time this was going on, I probably looked like a little bit of a clown because I was outside, I was just wearing a jacket, 
my PJ pants. Um, I was wearing sandals outside, socks and sandals at that. <laughs> hey man, Tupac wore them. He was able to pull off. Hopefully I can pull off. I was also wearing my Pikachu hat. And on top of that, Dad, if we want to play this on hard mode here, this was also on ice. So I was also trying to not slip and not do the splits. So I'm trying to stabilize myself, keep these two dogs away from each other. And the lady like freaks out in a positive way. She's like, oh, you got him. You got him. Awesome. I said, yes, ma'am, please take your dog here. Leash. Just just take him, please. Uh, gave her the leash. She thanked me several times. And then she asked me, hey, uh, do you like beer? I was like, nah, uh, eh. She's like, do you like sweets? Like, yeah, I like sweets. So I showed her where I was living, and she said, cool, we will drop something sweet off to you as a thank you. I said there's no need, but I appreciate it. I'm not going to say no to free food. Unfortunately, at this point, I still have not gotten anything from this family. I did not catch their dog expecting to do anything, but, you know, that's just, it is what it is. That's just a fact of the situation. I didn't get any sweet stuff out of this, unfortunately. Maybe I will get something after this episode comes out. Who knows? But... That's what happened with Colby Dog versus Lily Dog. So these types of things end up happening. I hope you all enjoyed that story there. And moral of the story, for goodness sake, uh, don't use those retractable dog leashes, all right? If, if, I, if, you, if I can give you any piece of advice, just don't use those. All right. There's one other thing I was wanting to talk about here. I guess, you know, there's several topics I want to discuss. Uh, but one of them here, this is going to be, unfortunately, the... The, the least fun of anything that I'm going to talk about, but it, it's something YouTube related that I want to discuss here. So this is going to be for hashtag wake up YouTube or the wake up YouTube movement, otherwise known as Adpocalypse 2. So I kind of just want to, you know, talk about this with you all uh, from a understanding of maybe you all are listening and you do not follow anything like this on YouTube. Uh, you don't you just don't know anything about it. That's fine. If you do know a little bit about it, sorry if I'm going to repeat some things that... Actually, I'm not even going to apologize for that, man. I, I'm doing this for the sake of people who do not know anything about this. And if you already know about it, you've been well-informed about it, you might get a little bit of a review here, all right? So what ended up happening is this gentleman by the name of... I believe it's Matt What It Is. I believe that's his YouTube name. He ended up posting up a video on YouTube, of course, and he put it out on several subreddits. The subreddit that I did see it on was r slash videos. So this video, I only saw it one time, but it was something along the lines of talking about um, pedophiles on YouTube and YouTube allowing, you know, pedophilic, I guess you can say that, type, just very inappropriate videos and, you know, fostering pedophile communities on YouTube. I also want to go into this saying that, yeah, this is not going to be, again, this is not going to be a fun topic. If you want to skip it, there are timestamps down below in the description on YouTube and in the comments section. I would understand that. But more importantly, I also want to say that at no point, at no point am I sympathizing for, you know, pedophile type actions. Am I sympathizing for pedophilia? I am not sympathizing for that at all. I am not supporting it at all. I think it's disgusting, vile, gross. It should not exist, all right? So I just want to put that out there in case anything sounds like it. it I, I don't want anybody to be like, oh, yeah, he's siding with, you know, the pedophiles here, you know, the uh, all this stuff. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm just going to state some things. We'll see what's going on. So what ended up happening was, first of all, if there's any, for the most part, 
I personally haven't seen any, so I would hope that they do a good job of cleaning this up. But in a perfect world, if there's any child pornography that is put up onto YouTube, it is taken down. If it's not taken down automatically, it needs to be reported, and then it is taken down. YouTube is very swift on that, as should any other site. However, Matt's video, what it went into was it was showing how to get into a so-called warp hole of YouTube. So essentially he would look up something, something, I don't know, sex related, I guess. I don't remember what exactly he looked up, but he ended up clicking on a video and I think it was something bikini related. And then he ended up, it was like a bikini pickup video, bikini, bikini haul, let's say. So he ended up clicking on the video and then there was a video in the recommended feed on the right on YouTube uh, that seemed to have some minors in there. So he clicked on that. And then the problem is with YouTube's algorithm, you know, you start clicking on this stuff and then it's like, hey, this is what you're looking for, right? And you're on a newer account and everything. We don't really have any history of you. So we're just going to kind of keep giving it to you. So then at this point, it kept recommending a ton of videos of minors to him. And it might have been like two or three girls at the park doing things. It might have been like a yoga challenge or a stretching challenge. Uh, it might have been girls at the pool or something. But the content itself, and I want to stress this, the content itself was not child pornography. There was nothing pornographic about it. It was just, you know, kids recording themselves. That was about it. There was nothing inappropriate about the content. However, the issue that came into play was the comment section. And the comments, what they were doing was they were linking to other videos that were similar. Uh, allegedly, because this was not shown, but allegedly it was claimed that there were some that were even linking to straight up child pornography. And Matt said, to his credit, whenever he has reported comments that were linking to child pornography, those comments were taken down. And I'm sure the content, if it was pointed to other stuff on YouTube, was taken down. But that was going on there. And then the problem with these comments were there were a lot of creepy comments that were, you know, of course, commenting about the girls, commenting about things they were doing, commenting about things they wanted to do to these kids, uh, even timestamping as well, too. That was the big problem. They would, like, let's say timestamp to 8 minutes 43 seconds, and you click on that timestamp, and it's a section where a kid is, like, stretching their legs wide open or something like that. And there were just these timestamps all over the place to these scenes that could be sexualized for people who were wanting to view it for that specific reason. It was it was disgusting, really sick stuff. So then he said, you know what? I've also seen people who were um who who had ads on these videos as well, too. And he showed several big ad companies, well, just companies putting their ads on there, like let's say Disney or any other company you could think of, Sony, for example. And he said, what we need to do, because I've tried reporting this stuff, YouTube's not doing anything about this. We need to attack the ad, like the, the, the companies who are advertising. So he had a bunch of examples. He had proof that, let's say, again, uh, Disney was advertising on one of these videos that had a ton of, you know, pedophile type activity happening in the comment section. So he said, you need to take these examples and bring them to the companies with the ads and say, hey, you are advertising on a video which is within this pedophile type community on YouTube. Are you cool with that? And of course, no company is going to be accepting of that. No company is going to be accepting 
So several companies have publicly pulled their ads from YouTube. Others have said, we're going to investigate this. Others haven't really commented. I haven't, you know, followed it 100% to see if every single company has followed through. But again, they've, they've been, most of them, for the most part, have been either pulling their ads or saying, we're going to investigate this further. And of course, YouTube... They need their ads and everything. They need that ad revenue. So they've also been trying to do some changes, work with these companies and all that. Now, this did happen before. In case you don't know with the adpocalypse, what ended up happening initially to cause that was this is also why there's much more stringent policies on the YouTube Partner Program. To break it down, the YouTube Partner Program allows you to submit your channel into YouTube to allow yourself to get extra access to other features all i think it used to be like live streaming um thumbnails a few things stuff that i believe channels do have just all across the board for the most part but it used to be partner specific but the big thing is you can run ads on your videos you run ads on your videos youtube takes a share of that income you get the rest of it if you're partnered with a partner network they're going to get a share as well too but you can make money off your videos easy enough right easy enough that's that that's really all it is there so initially well initially going back to the original partner program super hard to get into got a little bit easier a little bit easier a little bit easier over the course of a few years it got to the point where literally anyone could do it. You make a YouTube account, you verify that you are a real person, well, quote unquote, because you could also bot this as well too, but quote unquote real person, you somehow verify your account on YouTube, you enable monetization, you can start making money. So anyone could make money. But then it was getting to the point where there were videos like about terrorism, for example, or about racist stuff, or even in this case, I think it was brought up as well too, there were videos like this were that could have been counted as pornographic, which were legal or illegal, depending on, you know, what it might be, but there were videos just all over the place that were super inappropriate that were being monetized. So Adpocalypse ended up happening. Tons of companies ended up pulling their ads. YouTube made more stringent policies. That's when they also started demonetizing a ton of channels. They introduced the yellow dollar sign. So that way, you know, if there was something wrong with your video, then you could have gotten a yellow dollar sign on there, which meant you had limited or no ads. So that's when all that came about. Now, it looks like another wave of it might be happening, but it seems to be a little bit different here, and I want to get into that. So first of all, you know, of course, the content itself, again, the content itself wasn't bad from what I was seeing. It wasn't that it was inappropriate. It was just kids filming self doing kid stuff, all right? They were just filming videos for their friends and with their friends and everything, the weird stuff we're getting into is some of the videos were from family, some of the videos were from the kids, some of the videos I also saw were re-uploaded by, you know, random Russian channels, or just completely random channels, and you could tell this because it's like, for example, a video's title would be completely in Russian, and the channel is just like some random no-name, fly-by-night nothing, like, uh, like Russian channel, but they have nothing but kids videos and like different kids speaking English and they're just doing all this weird stuff. And these videos were also getting tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of views, sometimes millions of views as well. So there was a community of people who were searching out these videos and exchanging this, you know, nefariously 
this content that could have been used inappropriately is what I should say there. It's difficult to word it properly. But my first thoughts on this were, okay, you know, of course, this is horrible, but it's so difficult because the content itself, again, I've said it so many times that the content itself was not inappropriate. I think maybe the most inappropriate thing there was when there's random channels that are taking these kids' videos and re-uploading them. That's really icky and gross, all right? But the kids who are just uploading this stuff, whatever, it's fine. Apparently, YouTube also had policies in place. I did not know about this. They had policies in place where if they had videos that had minors in them and they felt like there could have been some dangerous and nefarious stuff happening in the comment section, they would disable comments on that video, force you to disable comments. Now, this was also shown in a few different videos, but again, it wasn't all across the board. So, my I just kind of want to you know, put my thoughts into the fix on this. I had initially kind of posed a question. I'm like, all right, I I get that this is something that needs to be resolved, but how? I don't have a solution here. Like, what are you going to do? First of all, are you going to ban timestamping? How? Like, why? I understand for this scenario, but this is like timestamps on my videos aren't going to be inappropriate. I know of that. Uh, are you going to ban emojis? People are putting like, you know, a timestamp to something and then the wet emoji there. Uh, are we just going to ban emojis at that point or what? If you ban the commenters, I mean, that could at least get rid of that account. It's really not going to get rid of the person per se. Um, they could just come back on another account. And, you know, if that gets banned, they'll get come back on another one. It's going to be whack-a-mole at that point. But getting rid of a comment that has a timestamp and some emojis or some text in there. And even if the text itself is not, if it's just looked at itself, like I remember one of the, I don't even want, you know, I don't even want to repeat the comments. I don't even want to repeat it, but (laughs) there were just some comments on there. Again, this is kind of a nasty situation where the comment itself. Yeah. It was very creepy in the context of it, but there wasn't anything racist about it there wasn't anything you know hate speech related about it there was no personal information that was being exchanged on there so there was nothing that was breaking a youtube guideline on that is what i was saying so can that be like is there a solution that i don't know i really don't know it it looks like at this point now the solution is now YouTube is going in, and if they see that there are videos that have minors fully featured in them, or if there's videos that are being pushed to minors, really, um, how do I say it, they're being recommended a ton to minors, they are disabling comments on them. But it seems like this is on several different channels that I've seen, and this this implementation doesn't seem to be going so well. And I want to table this, I want to come back because I thought of something else on here. I did see one vlogger they are a family vlogger for example and this brought in a whole other thing which has been around for a bit but i guess now it's being enforced a little bit more i believe it's like the ballinger family which i have never heard of until i saw this on twitter and this woman she said hey uh, i have a five-year-old boy he participates in gymnastics we have a heavily moderated comment section i make sure no shit goes down in this comment section all right i'm paraphrasing there of course i'm adding in my own attitude but she said why are these videos getting demonetized all of a sudden of my five-year-old son doing gymnastics and youtube ended up replying and they said hey um this video is, you know, featuring minors and everything, and we get it, 
but we just want to do this for safety and if we do notice that there is some inappropriate activity or questionable activity going on in the comment section of a video that fully features minors, then we're probably going to disable monetization or we might have to demonetize on there. So she freaked out, of course, saying, I heavily moderate my comment section. There's nothing inappropriate going on there. I dare you to find something of the sort like that. Other people, everyone else, end up freaking out because they're like, wait a minute. So you're saying that if I have someone who comes in and starts just spraying a bunch of inappropriate stuff in the comment section of my video, it can be demonetized. First of all, this is kind of a thing I saw and I said, oh, wow, this was a... I swear YouTube talked about this a while ago, but I don't know how real heavily it's been enforced. But YouTube also seems to be saying that this is only in regards to, you know, kind of the minor related stuff. And and the mysticism behind demonetization, that yellow dollar sign, it seems to be lifted a little bit more here and there with the Creator Inside channel, uh, which is an official channel from YouTube where they do talk about this, they do address these community things, but... Um, there's still so much mystery behind it. We're never going to know what's going to be appropriate, what isn't going to be appropriate. So, because it's always changing as well, too. But going back on it here, um, there were just, it, it seemed this comment, I'm almost at a loss of words here. I really am because the comment thing, I do understand it from some points, but other points I don't get it. I, I guess, you know, some of it is, yeah, if she's heavily policing the comment section, that's good, but not everyone is going to do that who has minors on their channel and they're vlogging with them and such. What if there's something that she completely misses? You know, that's possible. What if she's not moderating all the time? It's great she can, but what if she isn't? What are you supposed to do then? Another part of me is also, you know, hey, when you put your videos out on there, like let's say of your five-year-old kid who's doing gymnastics, look, you, you might run this risk here. YouTube is also not a guarantee at all, so the fact that you made any money up until this point is awesome, but, you know, it can be pulled from you at any time. You are not entitled to that, is why I should say I'm not entitled to that either. Like, I don't have an hourly rate, I don't have a salary through YouTube or anything, so I'm, like, YouTube can just shut down monetization to my channel, and then I can fight for it, but that's about it at that point. I guess the pessimist in me as well, too. And some people I had seen ask this, and it, it might even be, it might be a little controversial to ask, I don't know, but I'm just like, you know, does does a five-year-old, like, does a video of a five-year-old doing gymnastics really need to be monetized? I don't know. Is that is that one of those pieces of content that really needs monetization or not? Maybe someone, you know, might be agreeing and say, yeah, that that's that's kind of, kind of weird, I don't know. Other people might say, no, anything can, but it's, you know, I, I don't know. That's the whole situation of this. I don't know. I don't know of the proper solution on here. I really don't. And I'd be interested to hear other people's opinions on all of this. Now, going back to the channels and all that, having their comments disabled, I had seen several videos like this, um, not videos, but channels where I believe, uh, and for reference, for reference, I just want to say I'm recording this on February 24th, this episode is going to come out February 27th. So maybe in those next three days, we're going to see some changes. But there's also been some unintended consequences that I've seen here. Now, I believe uh, Chadtronic, I saw that he had comments disabled across all of his videos on his YouTube channel. Uh, Will Any, he had his comments disabled as well. And one which I, I hate that I probably know the reason why 
because it annoys me and it, it shouldn't be like this is retail archaeology i doubt he's gonna listen to this but shout out to Re- retail archaeology eric from there real awesome dude makes awesome content i've enjoyed his channel since the beginning like since he started it with a few hundred subscribers but the point is going back to this i think i can pinpoint why each of these channels had their comments disabled now again i i've talked for the past 10 minutes about comments being disabled on channels that feature children and there can't be any type of danger and whatnot on there uh will any i was subscribed to him for a while i did unsubscribe just because i really wasn't watching his stuff but i know he's done videos he does commentary videos and such and i know he's done videos and reaction videos about kids and all that so i'm sure he has videos that are focused on you know kind of satirically making fun of these kids and such that's not going to look good to this algorithm that now youtube is pumping into overdrive so they disable his channel chadtronic this one is a little bit scary honestly i'm sure he's also done some videos about kids maybe not directly but i know he's you know kind of made fun of and done satirical commentary videos over kids related topics and such like whether it be a game or i don't know a store or a tv show or what have you on there i'm not super familiar with his content but the few videos i did see it was definitely you know stuff that was aimed at like it was like products and such is what i should say that were aimed at children that you know he was kind of laughing having a goof and a gaff about everybody laughed so at that point i i guess the question i had on that is all right let's say you're a game reviewer if you review the latest mario game which that's obviously a game that is marketed for kids and families and kind of you know everyone but really you know kids can get into that um are comments going to be disabled on your channel because of that because it's a kids type thing i don't know (laughs) again i don't know the third one retail archaeology the one i wanted to talk about and the one i said that you know really kind of got me a little angry here is this guy he has the most appropriate videos he goes around to dead malls he does some urban exploration very relaxing very chill type videos he'll go to um, do retrospectives on stores he'll check out you know dead or dying stores provide his commentary on them do walkthroughs of them and such he has a young daughter And there's many times where he likes to have his daughter film for a little bit, or he features his daughter for like five or 10 seconds, or he mentions his daughter. And I said, like I I had said to him on Twitter, I'm like, you know what? I'm not saying I agree with you two because I don't. But the thing that annoys me with this is that I am pretty sure they disabled comments on your channel because you feature your daughter for like five seconds, five or 10 seconds in a video. And that's just you can look at the context there there's absolutely nothing wrong with the content and even at that point it's it's not it's not even like kids stretching or doing anything that can be spun into something completely different it's just you know for example his daughter was filming you know a section of a store or his daughter was eating something that they found at a food court or whatever and youtube is just going completely into overdrive with this is this like is this going to be the proper solution for this i don't know i personally don't think it is because there's no good way to to weed out you know the these bad people the pedophiles and everything that we don't want on there they're going to hang out on youtube they're going to find some other type of loophole if they can't if they're completely if their content is drained dry on youtube they cannot comment whatever it is then 
they'll go elsewhere. They'll go over to another social media. I mean, these people are all over the place. They, there was a lot of stuff that was kind of suspicious that was going on on Tumblr. Tumblr ended up shutting that down. I know they started moving over to Twitter. I don't know how that's been. It's, uh, man, it, oh, it's nasty stuff. All right. It, it, maybe it's best to get off this topic. All right. I want to talk about something different. I want, I, I want to talk about something different, but what I'm saying, and I didn't even get into my goodness. I didn't even get into the, uh, the history and kind of the questionability of Matt's what it is. I guess all I can say on that, if you're wanting to do your own research on here is it looks like Matt has said some things that haven't matched up with one another. This video completely blew up, but blew up more than I or anyone else could see on there. Some people are attacking him and they're saying, oh, you're going to ruin YouTube for the rest of us. I'm not. I'm not one of those people, right? And maybe I should have said that at the beginning of this, but I am not concerned with my bottom line. And you know what? If my revenue on here ends up dropping a ton because of an adpocalypse, whatever, it's fine. I don't rely on this. So it is what it is. That's going to just be a side effect of what's happening here. And there's not too much that we might be able to do about it until, you know, it kind of stabilizes itself. Um, but I guess more of the things is I know he's had other channels he's worked on. He also mysteriously deleted all of his older videos on this channel that he uploaded this to. Uh, and even he's tried to feign ignorance a little bit where he said, oh, well, I don't know how social media works, but, you know, he was able to navigate things pretty well and get the video to blow up. And, oh, I don't have a Twitter account or I never had one, but he had a Twitter account before and he closed it up and then he opened up a new one, just kind of act like he didn't really know how to use it. I think another thing was him and Keemstar had talked a little bit and love or hate the guy. He, he claimed he didn't know who Keemstar was, which if you're, if you're really into YouTube and such, and you're aware of this and you're aware of the ecosystem and everything, I really find that hard to believe. So do your own research on there. I guess that's all I can recommend for that. But that is kind of my thoughts overall on wake up YouTube It'd be interesting to see what's going on again, ad revenue wise, or, you know, ads dropping or ad rates dropping. I'm not concerned with that. I do. I do understand that there was a problem there. I don't think there's any proper way to tackle this. Maybe even to some degree with YouTube disabling comments more liberally, maybe this is the right way to do it. I, I guess because I'm sure they even know that they really can't stop these people from being horrible people, unfortunately. But the disappointing thing is when we see it go into complete overdrive. Like, again, check out, seriously, because he has fantastic content. Check out Retail Archaeology. There's no way you can tell me that that channel needs to have its comments disabled. There's no way that you can tell me that. All right. So let's go on to some other stuff here. I wanted to talk a little bit about remasters this generation. Game remasters and everything. And my kind of thoughts on them. Now... The first time I was really cognizant of remasters happening with games was last generation, specifically really the PS3. That's when I was looking into it. There were a ton of games, like just some of the things I can think of off the top of my head. Shadow of the Colossus with Eco, Ratchet and Clank, Jack and Daxter, several other games from the PS2 that were getting remasters for the PS3. To the point where at one point the PS3 was kind of joked at as a remaster station, so to speak. Now, some people love it, some people absolutely hate it, and I kind of just want to put my thoughts out on there on this, because I don't think I've ever really openly talked about it here on the channel. But I'm one of those people, I support remasters if they're done well. Now, I'm not talking about remakes here. A remake is something like, let's look at the Resident Evil games, because I, I do want to talk about this as well. 
but Resident Evil on PlayStation, that's its own thing. Resident Evil on GameCube, that is a remake. However, Resident Evil 2 on PlayStation versus Resident Evil 2 on GameCube, Resident Evil 2 on GameCube is a remaster of Resident Evil 2 on the PlayStation. It is the same game, except it's squished onto one disc, it plays, it probably plays better, and it looks better, and that's about it, but it's the same game. Resident Evil on GameCube, the, the first Resident Evil on GameCube, is a complete remake. It, the game was rebuilt from the ground up, all right? It looks completely different, plays completely differently. I guess, well, that's to be determined on there. What I'm saying is they didn't just port over the first game to the GameCube and then make it look prettier. That's not what happened. But those are the type of games I'm talking about where they just port them over, make them look prettier. Now, I've played several remasters, and it's a thing where if I enjoy the game, sure, I'll play through it on there. If I have not played the game before, I will prefer to play it on the newer system. Or even if I just, you know, want to go back and, you know, try something else, replay it, what have you. I think that's the big benefit there. A lot of people really want to play on their newer systems. Like, taking Grand Theft Auto V into account, for example... I was surprised initially that they ended up doing a remaster, so to speak, on newer gen systems, but it also made a lot of sense. If you all remember, Grand Theft Auto V came out just two or three months before the Xbox One and the PS4 ended up releasing. So a lot of people ended up getting rid of, they either didn't pick up Grand Theft Auto V because they had already gotten rid of their systems, their PS3 or their Xbox 360, or they end up getting rid of it in order to get their PS4 or Xbox One. I had several people who were asking me shortly after the systems came out, hey, when is Grand Theft Auto V dropping on here? And I kind of just laughed a little bit about it, like, dude, you, you had the chance to play it. But I'm sure Rockstar absolutely had the hindsight to see, yeah, you know, we've been working on this game for so long on these systems that we don't really want to just dump them completely. So we're going to release it on PS3 and Xbox 360. It's going to sell gangbusters because you know what? These are still current-gen systems. And even though the next-gen system is right around the corner, goddammit, it's Grand Theft Auto. It's going to sell super well, all right? And then, you know, about a year, year and a half later, they ended up re-releasing them on PC, PS4, Xbox One, which ended up being the much better versions, which anyone can tell you on there. Those are games where, that's a game where a lot of people ended up rebuying it, they ended up buying it for the first time, or they might have bought it multiple times, you know, on multiple different systems. And that, to me, made sense, because that is such a big game, such an in-demand game, and especially with, my goodness, it's still selling to this day, it's still st selling extremely well, it's Grand Theft Auto, alright, it's just one of those games, it's Grand Theft Auto, it's going to sell, put it on everything. Maybe a better excuse, not excuse, but maybe a better example would be Last of Us Remastered. This was another game that came out, I want to say summer of 2013, and again, this came out, uh, let's say, five, six months before PS4 and Xbox One. So, P came out very late into the Xbox 3, well, the PS3's life cycle, and people had a chance to play it. A lot of people did pick up their, you, you know, they did pick up The Last of Us on PS3. They played it, they thoroughly enjoyed it, what have you on there. Now, about, I want to say about a year or a year and a half after The uh, the Last of Us came out on PS3, they end up releasing The, rest, the Last of Us Remastered, can't even talk, man, The Last of Us Remastered on PS4. 
Now, a lot of people did question this, and they said, dude, this game just came out, and I think it was a year. They're just like, this game came out a year ago, what the hell? Well, first of all, it came out on a previous-gen system. Okay, everyone had a previous-gen system, you could have played this. Well, there's also a lot of people, I'm sure, who wanted to play the game again, but people are a lot of people are not like me where i keep my systems a lot of people sold that ps3 with grand theft auto 5 with the last of us in order to get their ps4 so they're missing the last of us at this point and they're not going to go out and get a old nasty ps3 just to play one or two games on there they would rather play them on the newer system on top of that that is also a very good remaster. It looks much nicer. It plays better as well, too. You can play it in 60 frames per second, or you can play it in 4K 30. It looks and plays incredible on the PS4, so it is an absolute worthwhile upgrade, the PS4 version versus the PS3 version. The other big thing on there, which I didn't even think of this until the statistic was released, because... Naughty Dog was questioned a lot of times. They're like, why Why would you release this? Why would you re-release the game? Why would you do that? And they said, yeah, a lot of people jumped ship from the Xbox 360 to the PS4 instead of Xbox 360 to Xbox One. 90% of the current user base of The Last of Us on PS4 never played it on PS3. So this was a very worthwhile first sale to many people. And that's the thing, too. There's there's always people who are coming and going into the games industry and such, and there's people who just weren't around for things like that, so they wouldn't have access to this. Whether it's because you didn't have the money, you didn't have the interest, maybe you just weren't old enough to play it at that point, then, you know, it is what it is on there. But I think the times I personally disagree with remasters, because I guess what I'm saying here is I support them, I love them, and I've been I've been guilty of buying and rebuying remasters. Like for example, uh, let's say the Kingdom Hearts games, good example here. Uh, I got the Kingdom Hearts games on PS2 and many other systems they came out on. They got remastered on PS3, picked them up on PS3. They got remastered on PS4, picked them up on PS4. And I don't regret those extra purchases because one, whenever I bought the remasters again. That was the best version to play it at the time. So the PS3 version, they end up making tons of adjustments, tons of benefits and everything from the original PS2 versions. And that was the best way to play them. And it was pretty economical as well, too. And then the PS4 versions came out and they were even better than the PS3 versions of these PS2 games. Uh, like Kingdom Hearts, for example, I'm, I'm starting to play the first one again on PS4. The game runs at 4K60. It looks great. It plays so well. All right. The first Kingdom Hearts game does not play at 60 frames per second. That's going to be the important thing. And on top of that, on the PS2, you're not going to get a native 4K out of that by any means. Some people say emulation, dude. I, it's easier for me to just throw it on my PS4, right? I have everything set up all nice downstairs in my entertainment setup and everything, and the game is cheap enough as well, too. Plus, it's designed with all of this in mind. And even so, at that point, if it is emulated all the way up to 4K, you might run into issues here and there, but I'm not even sure if the 60 frames per second stuff would work properly. I guess in this instance, it would be taking a game and emulating it and trying to push it to limits it couldn't achieve 
versus playing a build of the game that was designed with these tweaks in mind and had everything specifically done for it. On top of that as well, with, with this example here, I'm kind of going back and really dating this because this is also Kingdom Hearts Final Mix, so you're playing a actual proper translated Final Mix build, which we don't have for the PS2. We do have fan translations, and I don't even know if those are complete for the first one, but that's another thing. So I get a fully, officially translated Final Mix version of the game, which I couldn't get on the PS2. So... That's some fun stuff there. That's that's definitely some fun stuff for Kingdom Hearts. But I think the only time, going back, the only time I want to be negative and don't agree with remasters, or not, yeah, remasters, that's it. I almost goofed it up there, uh, is when they're bad. I think the one that definitely comes to mind, and I didn't even play this one, but I, I saw enough coverage on it, was Prototype 1 and 2. Now, I didn't really... I, I played a little bit of each Prototype game. Uh, yeah, I played a little bit of Prototype, played a little bit of Prototype 2. Didn't get super into them, unfortunately. But I played them on the 360. They were cool for what they were. And then they just suddenly came out of nowhere. And first of all, these were games that weren't really being asked for. And I guess, you know, it is what it is on that. Like, for example, Sphinx just got remastered. Sphinx and the Curse of the Mummy, I think that's what it is. Uh, that just got remastered. It seems to be a great remaster. I picked that up, and I always wanted to play that game, and I just didn't play it. And now I don't have to track down the PS2 or the Xbox version. I can just play it on Switch, and Switch is currently my preferred platform to play games on, so that works out for me really well. I guess it's one of those stances where I didn't know that I wanted it, but then I saw it and I wanted it. Now, that could be the same thing with Prototype, but it was kind of a bit of a universal thing where it wasn't old enough to be nostalgic, and on top of that, unlike things like Grand Theft Auto, for example, nobody was asking for a Prototype remaster. Nobody was. But then you play it, and in this case, I looked at, you know, the Digital Foundry analysis and footage of it, and it wasn't a good remaster. It didn't look that good. It didn't play well at all. And they're like, yeah, you know what? You would actually have a better experience playing the original versions on PS3 and 360 as opposed to the remasters. And that's just tragic, man. That's just tragic. I know people, maybe in the comment section, are bringing up uh, Silent Hill HD remaster, where they didn't have final code to work from, so they ended up using unfinished beta build code of the game to compile from there, and then they had to fix a lot of stuff in-game, and then a lot of stuff they didn't even fix, and there was even other things like the signs using Comic Sans. Comic Sans doesn't need to be in a game, all right? It really doesn't. It really does not, especially coming from a professional shop like Konami, something of the sort, so. Sometimes shit like that just goes south. <laughs> Those are the only times I don't agree with remasters. So I guess my TLDR, and I want to know your guys' thoughts on it as well. I, I, I guess where do you stand on remasters? Because my thing is, if it's done well, and it's priced well, that's another thing. If it's done well, and it's priced fairly, I don't have an issue with it. But if it is, like Sphinx, for example, if that game got remastered and it was $60, I wouldn't want to pick it up. But because it was only 20 or 30 bucks, I'm totally cool with that. And because it's a good remaster, I'm cool with that. Uh, I also recently played through Onimusha on the Switch, and that was, I think I talked about that last episode. Uh, I felt like that was a really fun remaster to go through. It's also cheap enough as well. You can pick it up for 20, 30 bucks or so. So why not? <laughs> but yeah, 
that's my thoughts on it overall. Thought that might be good to get into. Now, I want to talk about the games that I've been playing as well, too. I guess kind of wind down here because we're just over an hour. But I, I do have some things I want to say here. So, first of all, I guess there's two main games that I really played this month. There's been a few that, you know, I've dabbled in, but there's been two that I really devoted my time to and I finished. And the first one, not the first in order here, but the first one is Resident Evil 2. Now, I do kind of want to get into spoiler territory with these two games I'm going to talk about, so I'm going to have them in a very specific order. The reason why I'm doing this is because Resident Evil 2, I don't feel bad talking about any spoilers or discussing anything in depth about this game. And I don't know how in depth I'm going to go, but I don't feel bad talking about this one because the game has been out for 21 years. Granted, not the re the remake here, not remaster, not the remake at this point, but the original game. And even though the remake changes a few things and does things differently and all that other stuff, it's still the same story. So, for example, like Mr. X. If somebody gets all angry, they say, Mr. Mario, you spoiled Mr. X for me. Dude, Mr. X was in the 1998 game, okay? It's not like he's a recent addition to the game. What I'm saying here is, spoilers, be warned. That could be another thing I, I could get into in another episode. I think I thought of putting that in here, and I didn't, and I realized I wanted to put it in here. But oh well. Oh well. Maybe it will come up during this talk. So, my thoughts on Resident Evil 2. I ended up picking up this game. I initially didn't get it on launch. I actually had it pre-ordered, and I did not get it because I wanted to devote my time to Kingdom Hearts. But I ended up knocking Kingdom Hearts 3 out. And right before I knocked it out, it was like the day before I ended up finishing it, uh, I ended up swinging by GameStop. I know people might yell at me for GameStop, whatever. And it was like one or two weeks after Resident Evil 2 ended up dropping. And I was able to get the game on PS4 for 40 bucks, which I was really happy with. Uh, it was there for $55 used already. There was Kingdom Hearts 3 and Resident Evil 2 were there. So people either didn't like them or burned through them fast. But... I ended up picking that up. Uh, my friend has a 20% off discount, so I was able to use that. He doesn't even work there. He just uses that like he's on the Power Up Rewards Pro membership. And I had a 10% off coupon for there as well, too. And even though it said you can't use it with other things, I just asked the lady there if we could scan it, and it worked. So I got 30% off that. I was I was happy walking out with that for 40 bucks. So first of all, I only played through it as Leon so far. I am just about to start Claire, so I know I definitely need to start a Claire playthrough. I want to say with that, first of all, I did, I gave some shit to IGN because it's fun, all right? It's fun. I've talked about this. IGN ended up goofing. They made a bit of an oopsie, and in their review of it, they said, yeah, you know, it's kind of disappointing because Leon and Claire scenarios are really about the same, except you just play as a different character. And then it came out that the reviewer accidentally played through scenario A as Leon and scenario A again as Claire, which that's not what you're supposed to do. But it's very easy to make that mistake. And I, I don't want to be, you know, big IGN defender here, but just listen. The first time you play the game, you have a new game option. You pick Leon or Claire. You then play through scenario A. That's required. Then you end up getting a new mode, which is new game second run. Now, most people, if you're like me, you're going to go to new game and then pick Claire. However, I decided to check out this new game second run. And when you go in there and you hit X or you hit A in this case or whatever the keyboard option is, enter, I guess, I don't know, I'm not playing on PC. You go into second run and then it says second scenario. 
and you only have access to the character that you did not play as on your first scenario. So I played as Leon on scenario A, I can play as Leon or Claire on scenario A. But then you go in, you go to second run, you can only play as Claire if you played as Leon for the first time. So you have to go to a completely different option, and it doesn't clearly state. I think it would have been beneficial if after you beat the game the first time, those options end up changing to New Game Scenario A, New Game Scenario B, and that way you have a clear distinction. The nice thing was, on the original PlayStation, you had two different discs. So, Scenario A is Disc 1, Leon. Scenario B is Disc 2, Claire. And you're able to work through that just fine with no issue. So... I'm just saying, I totally see how that could have been misconstrued, confused, and messed up. I get it. Getting into the game itself, first of all, it is it is terrifying. Uh, I, I will say the first few hours really didn't hit me all that much, but as I was really getting into it, I did jump maybe five to seven times throughout the whole time. Uh, I screamed once or twice, and Mr. X, oh my goodness, Mr. X at one point, it was infuriating getting past him because I was in just like a very small area and had to end up unlocking a few things as Ada Wong. But I was going through that and it was my fault for not understanding the puzzle fully. And aside from that, I was able to get through it just fine. But I can understand where some frustration with Mr. X would come from. But he's still a, he's a valuable asset and a requirement, and we need to protect him for Resident Evil 2, even though he was trying to kill us the whole time. The pacing on the game is great. The soundtrack is awesome. Everything just feels great on there. Uh, I know some people, I, I want to address some general complaints I'd seen. Some people complain about the zombies being bullet sponges and taking way too many shots to die. Uh, I agree on that, to, to the most part, I would say. Uh, it's really annoying when, you know, let's say you would think three shots of the head would kill a zombie, but no, some of them, it's like you shoot a zombie in the head 12 times. It still does nothing. Others that that second or third shot to the head, the head ends up exploding. You don't have to worry about it. It does keep you on your toes. I will say that, but it's also like, dude, why? Like, is your head made of steel? What is it? Why won't you die? This is what I don't get. The map system is fantastic. This game, this version of Resident Evil 2 is easier than the other ones because you don't have to worry about items. You don't have to, I mean, you have to pick them up, but you don't have to worry about items. You don't have to worry about, uh, you know, memorizing the map and all that stuff. There is a map that comes up easily that you can just bring up at any time in your menu. And if the area you're in is highlighted red, that means there's still something there you need to pick up or something you need to do. If it's highlighted in blue, that means you have cleared out everything. On top of that, when you have fully exhausted a item during your playthrough, let's say like the, uh, the spade doors, for example, you need a spade key. When you have opened up every spade key you can, or spade door that you can, there is a little red check mark that shows up, or just a red mark of some kind that shows up on that item in your inventory. And that means that you can then dispose of that item, which means you're going to destroy it. Because at that point, it says the game is telling you, hey, we understand you're limited on inventory. You can delete this item because you no longer need it for any part of your current playthrough of the game. That's ingenious to me. That is fantastic. That is awesome. Especially, again, in a game like Resident Evil 2, where you're focused on inventory management. Now, you can grow out your inventory. At the beginning, you only have, like, eight slots. And I think when you max it out, I think you can max out at 20 slots, I want to say. 
20 or 24. I want to say it's 20. But either way, that's where you're going to hide, you know, all of your... Uh, any health type stuff, any keys, any specific things that you're going to need, any weapons, any ammo, anything that you're going to use in game that's going to go there. You also have the chests as well, so you can toss stuff in there. And this game also is much more forgiving on saves. The previous games where you had ink ribbons and you could only use one ink ribbon per save, so you really had to think about how much you're going to be using your saves. Uh, now you can just save as much as you want, unless you're playing on harder difficulties. On top of that, they also have checkpoints, which absolutely shocked me. So that kind of pulled me out of the, oh, this is not a 90s game anymore because it has checkpoints. It doesn't have manuals. You're not only relegated and limited to manual saves, uh, which that, that's just a good way of keeping up with the times on here. I guess some things I would have liked to see on it. Um, I thought of this randomly today. It would have been really cool to have a first-person option. And the reason why I say that is because Resident Evil 7 was all in first-person. And I think it'd, it'd be cool, and hey, maybe that's in the works. Maybe that could be a DLC down the line, just another option there. But first-person Resident Evil 2, my goodness, that would be a little terrifying. <laughs> uh, you know, the attention to detail on this game was absolutely fantastic. I don't have too much negative to say on there, thankfully, so that was pretty short-lived. But attention to the detail was all fantastic. Everything looked as disgusting or horrendous or as bright or as dark as it needed to. The little change-ups here and there were great. Like, you don't run into Kendo at the gun shop like two minutes into the game. You run into him later on. Uh, if you are connecting online, which you definitely just trust me, connect online, play on Xbox Live, play on your uh, play on PlayStation Network, whatever it is, not for multiplayer, I'm saying, but just to get the updates because they ended up putting out new costumes as DLC for free. They end up putting out three new modes for free. Capcom is doing so much awesome support to this game that you don't even have to like I haven't paid anything aside from the game yet and I have another three modes that are in there and I have some extra costumes like the low poly versions which should be cool so some people might say hey look that stuff should have been in there look yeah I mean it should have been in there but you're still getting it for free which a company like Capcom it's really nice to see them you know really embrace the market now at this point as opposed to try and nickel and dime us for everything i'm definitely cool with this little change around but i also have no doubts that maybe in a year or so we're going to see a resident evil 2 gold edition which is going to have everything resident evil 2 remake in one package i do want to address i guess one thing one one more thing uh when near the end of the game when you're holding on to ada and she ends up dropping just the piano right there that end up playing the soft sad piano oh my goodness i didn't get emotional there but it was just perfect right there i'm just like yes that was like perfect addition to put in there whether it was in the original game or not i just thought it was very well implemented into the remake here and that's kind of something odd that stuck with me but i did also want to discuss a little bit about what was going on with the uh with some of the other comments and other complaints that i've seen First of all, a lot of people, I just have to say I was shocked, again, for a game, I don't feel bad spoiling this, I've already talked about enough spoilers here, right, but for a game that's nearly 21 years old at this point, a lot of people were hating on Resident Evil 2 because it was Resident Evil 2. First of all, people were complaining about Mr. X. Dude, M Mr. X is a pivotal part of Resident Evil 2. He is, he has to be in there. He adds tension. He's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. He's supposed to make you nervous. He's supposed to make you fear dying. That's what Mr. X does. He plays his job incredibly well. 
people were also saying um the inventory system they were complaining about the inventory system on there as well too and again this is just one of those core components that makes resident evil resident evil and it's not even that bad you all it's not even that bad okay it really isn't i'm i'm bad at games i played through it just fine i really didn't have any issues on it okay don't worry about it and if and this might be a little controversial i don't know but if you're having such a hard time with the game, play it on a lower difficulty setting, okay? Just play it on a lower difficulty setting if it's really bugging you, if you're really having that hard of a time. Enjoy yourself, all right? Not every game has to be a challenge. I don't play games with a challenge. I play games to relax and to enjoy myself. And that's what I want to do when I play games. Cool? Cool. If you want to play on that harder difficulty, you got to brace yourself. If you're going to play on the hardest difficulty and say, oh, well, I'm complaining about the inventory system and all this other stuff and save ribbons and all that, man, you chose to challenge yourself, okay? I don't feel bad for you at that point. <laughs> oh, man. I, I was seeing those, and I, I'm not sure if there was any other big, like, just big complaints on there, but those were the two that I was really seeing where people were complaining about Mr. X and they were complaining about the inventory system. And again, I'm just going to say this before I sign off with Resident Evil 2, um, but again, uh, this is this is easier. This implementation of Resident Evil 2 is easier than the original version of Resident Evil 2. So, I don't know. If you're really complaining about this here and complaining about the features, Capcom is holding your hand a lot in the remake of Resident Evil 2. You should be thanking them, not complaining at this point about it. If anything, you might need to complain that the game is too easy and too handholdy. Because, I mean, come on, they're telling you when you can dispose of items. They're giving you a full map that's color-coded to see what's available and what's not and what else you need to pick up. That is very generous of them. At least, in my opinion, that's very generous. Now, the next game I want to talk about, which I was also playing through and finished, was Kingdom Hearts 3. Now, I'm going to try to keep spoilers on this one to a bit of a minimum, but I am going to say this is going to be the last thing I'll talk about on the podcast before I do my outro. So if you want to hear the outro, you can skip down below, like just look in the description or look in the comment section on YouTube and you can pick the timestamp for that. If you want to tune out at this point, that's fine as well too. Thank you so much for listening to Mario's Minute. Really appreciate you. There's going to be a better outro, you know, at the end here, but mind you, let's get into it. But again, I, I want to keep spoilers to a minimum here and the reason why i want to do that is because the game has been out for about a month at this point i know there's a lot of people that want to play it that still haven't played it yet and i know that there's people who really don't want to get it spoiled spoiled fully and they want to listen to this podcast so i get it if the game like resident evil 2 again that game was out for like 21 years at this point if you didn't know about mr x god damn it what were you doing but Kingdom Hearts 3, this is a brand new game, brand new entry, and I'm going to keep my thoughts and my feelings and my opinions broad. I don't want to get into specific, very general things. So even if you are listening to this and you're trying to brace for spoilers, I'm going to keep them to a minimum, but I totally to understand if you want to tune out. So first of all, this might be the biggest spoiler I'm going to mention here, but this is like 20, 30 minutes into the game. Uh, <laughs> they, they like to meme quite a bit in this game it's kind of cute and what i mean by that is at the very beginning you're going into um you know mount olympus and the title screen that flashes on screen is kingdom hearts 2.9 so you're technically getting two games right off the bat which made me laugh made me just say really <sighs> 
dude, really? It's kind of my reaction a bit. Also, uh, one thing I was a little disappointed by was uh, John Linneman, I believe, from uh, Dark One X, I believe, uh, from Digital Foundry. He had posted something kind of on those same thoughts as well. And I was disappointed because that was the only spoiler I saw. And I thought it was unfair because he tweeted that like one or two days before the game came out. And I'm like, dude, you come on. You're, you're spoiling the game before most of the world has it. This is not cool. But yeah, that was funny. Uh, the whole Instagram thing, there's Instagram type loading screens on there. Those kind of made me roll my eyes a bit because I was the first few hours of Kingdom Hearts 3. I'm going to tell you all. I'm just like, damn, this game is trying to too hard to be hip. All right. Like. And did they try too hard to update themselves? I don't know. And on top of that, you also have a gummy phone as well, which is a smartphone. And you can take, you're supposed to take pictures and you can do selfies in the game and you can react to them and stuff. And just, ah, it sounds like I don't like it that much. I just, uh, those are just the things where the first few hours, I'm just like, oh, this is, this can either end poorly or great. I don't know. Thankfully, it was good though. I ended up getting accustomed to it. The game was doing better overall. And after the initial Kingdom Hearts 2.9, so technically you do get two games. You have to beat Kingdom Hearts 2.9 before you get into Kingdom Hearts 3, thankfully. But once you get into that, that's when things really start to ramp up. I have to say the good stuff, first of all, the game looks astounding. It looks so beautiful. The game plays extremely well. Um, I personally played it, so I, I picked it up on PS4 Pro. And if you want to maximize your, uh, what is it, like your performance on there, what you need to do is play it on PS4 Pro in 1080p mode without super sampling. So that way, the game runs at something natively like 1260p, something like that. So you're not getting a huge downgrade in resolution, but you are going to get the best boost you can in terms of performance, especially if you play in performance mode. So your game targets 60 frames per second as opposed to 30 frames per second. Unfortunately, on any platform, as looked at by Digital Foundry, the game cannot maintain a smooth 30 frames per second, and it does not reach a stable 60 frames per second, unfortunately. That's just the truth of the matter. Can that be fixed in updates? I don't know, but just be warned on that. But that was the best way to play it for me, and that's what I recommend to anyone else. PS4 Pro... 1080p setting on the system itself disable super sampling so that way you're not going into a higher resolution so you're capping it at 1080p native resolution and it's able to give you that extra performance boost and still look pretty but holy hell the game looks beautiful it looks extremely pretty again it plays so well the combat is oh my goodness it's so good the keyblades are awesome the bonuses you get in are great the colors are fantastic the extra characters you get are amazing i i love this game and at the same time i guess what i told one of my best friends sean is i said this is the greatest disappointing game i have ever played because much like many other Kingdom Hearts 3 players, I, I felt a little overwhelmed at this. Or underwhelmed is what I should say. Excuse me, I meant to say underwhelmed there. First of all, it, it does not feel like a old, dated PS3 title that got pushed to PS4. Much like something like The Last Guardian did. I'm not hating on it. I, I really love The Last Guardian. I played it twice. I played it back to back because I loved it so much. But uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 does not have that feeling. But it's definitely a game that's just 
been in development for a bit too long here, and it seems to suffer with, you know, some other things. I know, for example, uh, Phil, like this was even talked about, Phil from, you know, the Hercules uh, map, he doesn't talk because his voice actor ended up passing away in, the Japanese voice actor passed away. So as part of that, I guess, it's a Japanese culture, and this I learned from Censored Gaming. As part of Japan's respect, for that role, they didn't fill his role with another person who sounded like his voice actor, and then that also extended out to the international release, unfortunately, so Phil doesn't talk in there. There was a few other voice actors that passed away as well, and there was a few other characters that didn't show up or didn't talk, which should have shown up, like Eeyore, for example, he didn't show up. Uh, 100 Acre Wood, it was cool to go back there, but it was pretty much a Connect 3 game, so you finish the map within 20 minutes. Um... The other maps were really cool, though. I, I thought it was I thought it did get better as it went on. A lot of people complained that, hey, it's just the movie plopped in here. I didn't mind that as much, I guess. Like, Frozen I only saw one time, so it was kind of nice to go back through it. Uh, Tangled, I never watched, so it was interesting to go through there. Toy Story was different, but it just... There was something off about Toy Story. I didn't like that storyline in Toy Story as much as I felt like I should have. But I felt like the other levels were extremely well done. Uh, it was really cool going through Monsters, Inc. That one ended a lot shorter than I wanted to, unfortunately. You kind of see Mike and Sully and Boo, and your goal is to take Boo to her door. And that's the end. That was disappointing to me. I really wanted to spend more time in, you know, Monsters, Inc. and Monsteropolis as well. Uh, that would have been really awesome if we could, like, gone around the city and all that. Big Hero 6 was phenomenal to me i absolutely loved that map there was one or two others in there and then at that point you're going to the end game the proper end game itself which this is the last three to five hours of the game and this is what the uh this is what the developers wanted to tell this is what this is the storyline they want to tell this is the actual kingdom hearts story that's to be told so you have to play about 20 to 25 hours of the game to get to the real meat and potatoes of what the Kingdom Hearts story is. And unfortunately, at this point, at that point, it kind of turns into, you know, boss rush, here's characters, 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 end game. It's kind of what happens at that point. So there's just way too much happening there. The story, granted... I also want to say, big exclamation point here. I did. I there's a lot of Kingdom Hearts games I skipped, and I'm trying to fix that. I I'm going back right now. I'm playing through these games, and then I kind of want to play through Kingdom Hearts three again because it was really fun. Um, but going back on this, the story is confusing. Some of that could be okay. Let's say a good amount of that could very well be due to the fact that I skipped many of the games. But there's also just other things that don't really make too much sense on there and even if it's just me skipping the games i also feel like a decent amount of it as well too is also just kind of from the delivery on it because there's people who played through the games and then they're confused like they played through all the games and then they're confused when they get to kingdom hearts 3 and they played through the games somewhat recently i think there's just some convolution there just of things being piled on over all these years in the Kingdom Hearts universe and story, fortunately or unfortunately, however he wants to look at it. The dialogue is not that good either. The, the, the writing definitely made me wince many, many times. And uh, 
You know, I understand Haley Joel Osment. He's really doing a big service here, still playing the Sora character for so long, and I commend him for that. But I'm playing through the first Kingdom Hearts right now. And it makes sense, you know, sometimes there might be, first of all, it feels like the delivery, just the way people are talking to each other, the way characters are interacting, it feels so much more natural in the first Kingdom Hearts, as opposed to Kingdom Hearts 3. And then on top of that, even if there's any type of awkwardness between like Sora, Riku, and Kairi, it's like, dude, they're 14, 15 years old, everything is awkward at that age, okay, so they play the characters well. And then Haley Joel Osment, I mean, bless him, mind you, but... He was, you know, a teenager, playing a teenager at the time. The game series has gone on for so long, so Sora was 14 at the beginning. Sora is now 16 at this point, if I'm mathing correctly, okay? I believe only like two years have passed in the in-game universe at this point. He He's 16, I believe, at this point now. And now you have a grown man version of Haley Joel Osment who has to squeeze himself into Sora's shoes that he's probably definitely outgrown. And... Just the, the odd delivery mixed with, you know, grown man trying to play as teenager, it just doesn't, it, it falls. It really falls flat on its face at so many times, unfortunately. And again, just kind of brings either kind of cringing or wincing moments. And I'm not even going to fully blame, you know, the voice actors on that. From what I had read, the way Square Enix, allegedly the way they do their voice acting is they do everything separate at this point and they keep the projects under wraps. Apparently, from what I know, when they did all the voice acting for Final Fantasy 15 or Versus 13, however you're going to look at it, I'm going to say 15 here for simplicity's sake, when they did all the voice acting for Final Fantasy 15, the characters who, the people who played the main characters didn't even know that it was Final Fantasy they were doing voices for until near the very end of their projects that they were working on. There was that much of a disconnect at that point. I ran this by my buddy Sean when I talked to him about it too. He played the ever-living hell out of Final Fantasy XV, and he attests that. He's like, yep, that's, that totally makes sense, and I had heard that too, and yeah, that's it. Now, if they had... I, I, I refuse to believe that Square Enix, I guess at the time they developed the first one, Square Soft, I refuse to believe that this was the way they did their voice acting this entire time, because I feel like it would have been a bigger issue. If they did it, then I'm not sure what might have changed. Because again, it feels like the cohesion and the dialogue and the characters interacting with one another in the first Kingdom Hearts compared to the third Kingdom Hearts, it's just, it's not, it's a night and day difference. Even if you have the awkward teenagers and such in there, it is a night and day difference. And it really blows my mind. It does. <laughs> I guess the, those are the things that I, I have negative to say on it. The game is about 30 hours or so. I beat it in about 28 hours. Again, it's super fun. I absolutely enjoyed it. There are going to be more games in the Kingdom Hearts series. I mean, that was pretty obvious from the ending. And I guess when it comes down to it as well, the ending to me did not feel as satisfactory as the Kingdom Hearts 2 ending. Like Kingdom Hearts 2, oh my goodness, you know, fighting that that bitch of a last boss, just that, oh my god, it was infuriating getting past that, and then you do... And then you reunite with, you know, your friends back at the Destiny Islands and everything. And, you know, it's happily ever after. Oh, my God. You know, and I understand they, they made a few games after that. They made Kingdom Hearts 3D. They made Kingdom Hearts. I think it was back cover. Uh, and then technically point two is in there. Sure. But uh, 
Kingdom Hearts 2 just ended on such a high note for me, and then Kingdom Hearts 3, it's like, oh, there's another one, okay, I mean, cool, I'll play it, but I, I wanted my closure, damn it, okay, I really wanted proper closure here. Final Fantasy, that's another thing as well, too, I guess the last thing I'll talk about in regards to Kingdom Hearts. A lot of people also said that they missed Kingdom Heart, like Kingdom Hearts having Final Fantasy in it. Because in case you don't know, Kingdom Hearts initially was marketed. I remember this when the game came out. It was marketed as Kingdom Heart. No, no, what am I saying? It, it was marked as Disney mixed with Final Fantasy. Combine those together, and yeah, we're going to throw in some original characters. Here, you got Sora, you got Riku, you got Kairi. There's three characters you deal with there. Just fine it has to it has to be a new series we're going to put in it but for the most part this game is disney cross final fantasy and i completely forgot about that aspect of it until i went back to play the first kingdom hearts we're like right at the beginning you're talking with final fantasy 10 characters you end up going into twilight town you meet with final fantasy 7 and final fantasy 8 characters you you go to mount olympus and you fight cloud and Sephiroth is the final, final boss on there as well, too. There's no there's no Final Fantasy characters. There's no Final Fantasy characters in Kingdom Hearts 3. That disappointed a lot of people. That disappointed me as well, too. But I feel like I have a bit of an explanation for it. I personally feel like there were no Final Fantasy characters in Kingdom Hearts 3. Because at this point, there are so many characters in the in the Kingdom Hearts universe. You have the Kingdom Hearts characters. And then you have their characters. And then you have their characters. Here, I'm talking about, like, you know, the actual characters and the Heartless and the Nobodies and, you know, all the others in there. Um, that's some, it's, it's confusing, man. There's a lot of stuff that's going on in there. The point is, you have characters on characters on characters now which happens with a complex world and storyline and everything where all this is going on and it's just been building up and going on for so long at this point. It's been going on for infinitely long at this point here. That happens. You know, that happens. Um, <laughs> I guess that there's a lack of organization on it. And then on top of that, you add in the Disney characters because this is from the House of Mouse as well, too. So you have to have the Disney characters. And then the Final Fantasy characters just kind of got pushed out at this point, you know? And some people might argue and say, oh, well, they really played pivotal roles and they were important. Yeah, they were important in the other ones, but they kind of got written out and they got the boot on here. I think the reason why they did that was because, again, they have so many characters in their own universe, their own original characters and kind of original characters to work on now that then adding the Disney characters on top of that, there's no room for the Final Fantasy characters. It's a disappointing loss. You know, maybe many, many hearts are going to hurt for them. Mine hurts a little bit for them. But that's what happens, I guess. That's just business. They were, they were shown the business. Oh, well. Overall, though, I guess with these last two games, uh, Resident Evil 2, phenomenal absolutely love that game again i think maybe the only thing i would add in there it'd be cool if we could get like a first person mode but even if we don't get it that is like very close to what a perfect nightmare would be kingdom hearts 3 it had a lot of highs it had a lot of lows to it all right it was an underwhelming game but if you are a fan of the game i highly recommend picking it up playing it you're doing yourself a disservice if you do not play it I still thought it was great, but again, it is the greatest disappointment I've ever played through.
but I'm probably going to play it again at this point. Uh, I, I do want to do a whole playthrough of the Kingdom Hearts games, and when I get up to three, I'm probably going to pick it up on Xbox One and play through it on there, just to have a good excuse to get some achievements, replay the game for the first time, kind of, and uh, also use the Xbox One X. So, those are my thoughts on there. Let me know what you all are playing as well, too. And with that, we're at the end of the podcast here. This went on a lot longer than I expected. And you know what? That just happens sometimes. It just it really do be like that sometimes. It really do be like that. But, you know, we're at the end here. Let me know what your thoughts on this are. I'm thirsty. I'm a little bit tired. I need to get that situated. I need to take my dog outside. If you enjoyed this podcast, this episode of Mario's Minute, Mario's Minute in general, first of all, there, there's many other things you can check out as well, too. There's 13 other episodes of Mario's Minute that have come out prior to this, technically 14. I'll let you find that one for yourself. Those are all available on uh, most podcasting platforms and on my YouTube channel, Mr. Mario 2011. If you want to check out some other podcasts that I do, just one other one, I also have Mod Chat, which is with my buddy and co-host Paranoid Coder, where we talk about modding, modding goodness, and news and all that fun stuff on there. Modding news. It's all about modding. I also have, of course, my regular videos here on the Mr. Mario 2011 channel, which range from, you know, deep dives and such, which that was one of the newer things I did. Technical deep dives, overviews, um, walkthroughs, what have you, like modding walkthroughs and tutorials and such. So I guess if you want to define that. Occasionally, Lily pops up. She more pops up on my second channel, which the big series on there is Thrifty Gaming Pickups, where I show what cheap gaming shit I might or might not have picked up, and Lily just kind of hangs out in the corner and sleeps. So if you want to see a sleeping dog, I'd recommend checking that out as well, too. Let let sleeping dogs lie, but I don't really do that because I feature treats and all that stuff. But yeah, if you made it to the very end of this video, this podcast, this episode... Thank you so much, but second, if you could do me a solid here and let me know that you made it to the end by commenting the word LED, all, all uppercase, LED, anywhere in your comments on the YouTube version of this. Let me know what your favorite color of LEDs are. Let me know if you like LED light bulbs, if you don't like them, if you're changing to LED bulbs here in the future. Personally, in my home, I have nothing but LED bulbs, aside from two, so I'm kind of lying, but I changed out all of my old bulbs to LED bulbs. Uh, let me know if you're going to throw LEDs into your car, or your game system, or your desk, or your dog, or what have you. Let me know that, I'd be really interested to know. But if you use the word LED anywhere in your comments, I know you will made it to the end. Anyways, this is Mr. Mario, signing off. Thank you all for watching and listening, everyone. Until next month.